welcome to the Intriguing Beings podcast with me, Rue Chater. Season 2, Episode 9 with Craig Cunningham. Hey everyone, I hope you're doing well. I'm back again and this has been a bit of a break uh, since the last episode. I think it's been about three weeks. Um, in that time, we've published IK Surf Mag, issue 78, and IMB, International Mountain Bike Magazine, issue 62. So if you mountain bike or kite surf, before, be sure to go and check those out. I usually beat myself up about the amount of podcasts that I've been releasing, but I've just been looking back on it, and I've actually released 13 this year, which is more than one a month. So whilst that isn't an amazing amount of content, it's still pretty reasonable for someone who's juggling quite a lot of plates at the moment and actually I've released 29 since I started this podcast which was only in October last year so I'm going to stop beating myself up about that and um, measure my success in a slightly different way I think it was Dan McCauley one of the people that I did an interview with uh, earlier this year and he talked about how you measure success and I think sometimes we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to achieve certain things. And I guess as we're coming towards the end of the year, um, we're clearing the decks at work, making sure we've sent all those emails and sitting there and thinking, have we managed to have a successful year? And I look back on it and think, yeah, it's not been amazing in terms of business successes, maybe. But hey, we're still here and we're still working hard doing the jobs that we're doing and trying to get as much out of life as possible. So rather than lament at myself for being rather tardy on the release of this podcast, I think actually it's out in due time and I'm quite pleased with the fact I've got another one out before Christmas. As of next year, January, I'll be releasing a couple of episodes early in January, I think, and then don't know what's happening. Got some travel plans that may or may not come off. Um, as I mentioned before, buying a house in Pembrokeshire, that's dragging its heels and quite keen to go to Cape Town for the King of the Air, but don't know if the house might be completing around that time or anything like that. I'm sure anyone who's bought a house will be aware just how stressful that can be. Anyway, as um, Christmas rolls around, it's here just next week. I'm looking forward to a bit of well-earned time off. As a business, the publishing side of our company always shuts down for a couple of weeks over Christmas, so a chance to catch up with family, friends, drink a few beers, and I hope you've got similar plans for a bit of rest and recuperation ready for the next year. It's actually the end of the decade, which is quite an interesting concept. I hadn't really thought about it like that, so it kind of makes you feel like you really want to send it off in style, not sure what I'm doing yet, but I'm sure I will think of something entertaining to do. Perhaps next intro will be me telling you what I got up to at New Year's Eve, although that'd be quite a boring thing to do. Anyway, let's get on to this week's episode. It's with a gentleman called Craig Cunningham, who I've known for a long time. He's probably one of the most stylish kite surfers out there, but he's also worked his way up with Duotone and he is now team manager looking after probably the most successful kiteboarding team on the planet right now what's interesting is in the interview we talk about his hot tips for the future and then seeing how the results have gone of course valentin rodriguez just won the kite surf freestyle or gka freestyle kite surfing world tour uh mccarley soul won the um, freestyle world tour for the women and then we've got Ayrton Cozzolino winning the world tour for the guys and yeah just it's been an incredibly successful year for that team so well done 
to the team members and I guess well done to Craig for nurturing that talent. Um, we talk about a load of things in this interview from his early days and potential pro ice hockey player status, um, everything in between and where he sees his future within the sport. He's an interesting chap from Canada, hence the ice hockey connection. And I think you'll really enjoy this conversation. It's a long one, goes on for about an hour and 15 minutes, I think. Um, so hopefully that should see you through a long car journey, perhaps on your way to see family and friends for Christmas. Anyway, without any further chat from me, let's get straight into it. So here's Craig Cunningham with this week's episode. This afternoon, I'm sat with a gentleman from Canada, Craig Cunningham. How's it? Very well. Good to see you, buddy. He's um, been a pro rider for quite a long time now, um, rides for Duotone, and he's one of the leaders of what I would say the park scene, and certainly when style matters as well. So me and Craig have had some interesting conversations over the years. Where he sometimes says, that's not stylish, get out your magazine, I have to explain that. It's for people that can't touch their toes, so they're kind of amped if the technique is at their level. But he's a very talented rider, and I thought it'd be an interesting guy to get on the show. So first up, Craig, how did you get into water sports? Well, yeah, thanks for having me. And yeah, I guess uh, diving in straight until I got into water sports. I grew up in the Great Lakes area in Canada, and uh, grew up, I guess, playing a lot of team sports, really, so... Yeah, water sports. I mean, we're kind of on the agenda in the summertime, but it was more so like we didn't have waves or anything, which so is like skimboarding or getting towed around behind your uncle's little boat or something, you know, on some skis or whatever. But um, yeah, I guess at one point I just, uh, because I was snowboarding and skateboarding a lot, I was I saw this whole like kind of wakeboarding thing. I mean, it's all, I already knew it was a thing, but like taking off a bit more in my area. And I really wanted to do that and just, yeah, came from a pretty middle-class family. It's like, you're not going <laughs> to fill up a boat with gas and like, how are you even going to get the boat in the yeah, first place? Where, where, where's where's that going to come from? <laughs> yeah, so I continued on doing what like all, you know, typical Canadian kids do all summer long. And yeah, I was just hanging out at the beach a bunch. And uh, my uncle was always into windsurfing, but I think coming from like, a board sports background that just seemed to me more like a, like a sailing sort of yeah. thing and I mean growing up in the Great Lakes we don't have that strong of wind so I never saw like someone like shredding waves in Maui or like what they do like now I respect windsurfers as well yeah. yeah I think but sometimes back then it was more floating around on a lake yeah it was like my uncle trying to like get me to just go for a little float and I was like ah not into that and uh, then he got into kiting and I was uh, yeah, kind of, kind of curious about it, but it just seemed still like kind of a lot of work. And some of the guys who I saw setting up their their kit at the local beach would just like be struggling for an hour, just trying to figure it out. And yeah, now looking back on it, these guys were like pioneers in our area that you know they were figuring it out on their own. But I was just like, man, yeah, that it doesn't seem like you just grab your skateboard and go for for a cruise in the park or whatever. You know, it's, yeah. it seemed like a lot more work. And so, yeah, one day I just saw this. One guy, his name was like Jason Swears or something, but anyways, he just came down and uh, within 10 minutes, he was like pumped, set up and yeah, jump, jumping probably like five or six meters, you know, and I was like, wow, that's sick. It's like, starting to look good now. And uh, basically, I just like waited there on the beach for this guy to come off the water and was like, what was that all about? And like, where do I learn to do that? You know, and. He's like, yeah, yeah, you know, I could teach you, teach you how to do it. And, um, yeah, then, uh, yeah, another guy ended up giving me a lesson by the name of Doug Ballantyne. And, uh, 
yeah, then he sold me a kite that actually um, he taught me on, and it was like an old North Toro, which was just terrible, <laughs> for, terrible for me to like learn on, and I, I, I was fine on the lesson, but then when I went to try to do it myself, it was just a disaster, and I kind of just, yeah, left it at that, and I was working at this skateboard and s- snowboard shop, and I... I started to hear about these new Cabrina crossbow kites that had like loads of D power and could relaunch and all this stuff. And so then I kind of got interested in it again and uh, convinced the guy who I was working for to like buy like the minimum Cabrina kites you needed to to get them in the shop so I could get a deal <laughs> on them. And so then yeah, I got like a 12 meter crossbow and yeah, then I was just like downwinding that whole like next three months. I didn't realize what going upwind was at all. I was just like launch the kite and go and start boosting kick like just hitting the kickers <laughs> like you would wakeboarding yeah and just like i was grabbing the handle and doing all sorts of kooky stuff but like i was just basically yeah going right foot forward and blasting these kickers and then coming left foot forward in and running up the beach and doing that and just going time. round and round and round and round and round having yeah. fun yeah and then i just read like all the magazines all winter and the next spring I drove like 12 hours down to the Outer Banks because that's all I've been hearing about. Like, oh, that's the spot for North North America and especially the East Coast. So, yeah, convinced a friend to drive down there with me. I went to Rio and took a boost lesson and realized like straight away that I didn't even know how to go upwind yet or what upwind was. And <laughs> I like Sammy Bell, who's like a legend from Rio, like OG triple S rider from back in the day. And he still laughs about it to this day when I see him because... He did teach me how to boost that day. Like, my board sports skills were there. I just didn't understand about edging and going upwind. So he's like, all right, all right, you guys launch your kites and, uh, yeah, head upwind to the slick. And I was like, yeah, yeah, and just, like, went on the water. And by the time he got the jet ski, I was so far downwind. He's like, thought you knew how to go upwind. I was like, yeah, yeah, I do, I do. Like, you don't, dude. Like, and so he, like, grabbed me on the harness and, like, towed me up to the slick and, yeah, like, I don't mean to seem like I got it first try, but I'd already been riding for a bit, so it was just yeah, all about can... edging, and then I was like, oh, that's what upwind is, okay, and then then he taught me how to boost, but it was funny, because he's like, I've never had someone sign up for a boost lesson that didn't actually know how to go upwind, or even or know what upwind what was. One. Yeah, so... Well, that must have been the tough funny. thing, like, growing up in the Great Lakes in Canada, you're kind of isolated there, right? You're yeah. Not, you're not at the epic, you're not, like, growing up on Maui watching everyone do it, or in Tarifa <laughs> or something like that, so yeah. why would you have any clue that that's what you could do? Yeah, it's still, like, when I go home, I definitely have some of my, like, close friends who really kind of get it now, but most of the people I went to high school with are, like, my parents' friends, or, like, my dad has, like, a, a garage just off the side of the house where like him and his all the old boys are out there drinking beers all the time and like I come back and these guys just hassle me so hard about like what you're up to and what my dad's trying doing? to explain to him like no it's actually like it's good like he like he's like on a good program you know and uh yeah because everybody's like oh yeah you're gonna so it's gonna be like a couple years of traveling around and like someone's paying you to travel around cool and then like then you're gonna come realize back and... I was like starting to make a bit of money at it and then they like, yeah, yeah, but you can't do that forever sort of thing. And now it's kind of like I just moved Please. into different roles within the country, like, or within the country, within the brand. And, you know, now I'm still on contract as a team rider, but like doing the international team manager job and a bunch of other stuff behind the scenes at the brand. So it's kind of like... Oh, it is a per- job. Yeah, it, I mean, it is a job. Even like 
it is the dream job to be a professional athlete. And that was really cool to like spend all those years just cruising with my buddies. Like the main focus being about like the new tricks or watching videos from other sports to get, you know, inspiration for your kiting and watching wakeboard and snowboard videos and stuff with the boys and just thinking about riding that, that was the dream. And I mean, it was sick doing that, but I think at some point you just, at least for myself, I, I, like I went to school for engineering, so I just needed a bit more like to keep my day going. And just, I think at some point you just, yeah, want to dive in behind the scenes a little bit more. And yeah, it's cool that the brand sees value in that as well. Cause I mean, that is one thing that hopefully we'll see more of in kiteboarding that, you know, the board sports mentality of like keeping some of your more seasoned riders around who, you know, can help out the brand in different ways than someone who just went to school for marketing or whatever. Yeah. Not that you don't need those guys, of course, like the guys I'm working with back in Munich are on it. And so I think they see the same thing, like having someone like myself helping to like connect the dots with the guys back in the office and the team has just been, yeah, been a pleasure like to work with them. And also I think like, it's good for the brand as well and you see that now with like you know guys like fox at slingshot and you know james over at cabrina brandon's doing a ton behind the scenes at liquid forest and it's like it's cool to see kind of joining the dots between the pro riders and the office back home and like a yeah. conduit between it all and making things you can give them some good pointers and send them in the right direction for yeah. some stuff as well yeah like people think it's like babysitting and for me it's not it's more like character development and like helping them be as efficient and effective as possible and like just helping people along a little bit like if you have to babysit someone that's like all right time <laughs> there's there's plenty of other people who want your job who are willing to like put yeah. in the effort so and that must be quite interesting because for you coming from your background and where you grew up you probably didn't really have that you know when you were learning yeah. to kite you know you were just out there doing your own thing then you yeah. went to real and you were getting a boost lesson and not really knowing much about it yeah. and then now like you know young riders have got all these mentors that are around yeah. whereas back then they weren't really existing at what point did you realize that you know you could make a career out of it that you could actually become a pro rider and that could be a path for you I mean I guess when you drove down to real you didn't have that in mind or were you like hey no. let's drive to real spend the summer there and then we're going to be pros and we'll be like no on no Maui. like at what stage did that kind of become a reality yeah I don't know because like definitely when I drove down to real I had no aspirations of being a pro I just thought this was cool and I wanted Good to, things do, to it. do for the summer and then like Actually, I didn't even really become friends with him, but like just ran into him for a second in the shop because like he, Brandon was working in the shop. He wasn't even good enough at that point to be a coach. Like the first year I met him, like we just ran into the shop and we realized we we're both from the Great Lakes and that was about it. We didn't even really hang out. I was there for like five days or something left. And the next year, like I came back and this year for like two weeks and became started to become friends with some of these guys and you know met Sam Adisky in the scene and everything back in Canada and like all of a sudden we had this like little crew and we're all you know kind of pushing pushing each other a little bit and um yeah I think then at that point I was still like this is cool like Brandon's like just because of being it real and being such a good athlete like his and DNA is just riding ridiculous. all day every day yeah, yeah. like he's a beast he got really good and Sam Adisky was already kind of like on the program at Nash. So I was like, oh, this is rad. Like getting a cruise with these guys who are kind of like kind of pro riders or like aspiring to be and just seems like they're living the dream. And, you know, basically I was still in university for engineering and stuff. Like I took power engineering. It's like, yeah, that's a whole nother story. But 
at that point I kind of thought, oh, well, like, this is cool. These are my buddies and maybe I'll do some trips with them and you know, see where spin. it goes. Yeah. Not, not even just like do some trips with them when I'm off of school or whatever. And then, um, yeah, finished school and worked for this place that I, I did my co-op program at and they hired me straight out of school and worked for them for like six months. And then Sam was like, man, you got to quit that job and just <laughs> come cruise with us in Brazil. Like yeah, I went last year and it was amazing. And I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I just thought that was like such a crazy thing to just yeah. go to Brazil for as two if, or three months. Like, yeah, I'm, like, I'm just going to do that. Yeah. Like, it seems so odd to me that it, that was like, it a just thing wasn't you even, could a even thing do. Yeah. Like, I don't know anyone from my town or anyone that I knew who ever would do something as drastic as that, what I thought at the time, you know? And uh, yeah, just went there. Somehow he convinced me. Somehow I like, took a leave of absence that just turned into never coming back. <laughs> and on that trip, I was like, oh, this is the shit. This is like what I want to do. Like, even if I'm spending my own money, like to go travel around, this is all I want to do. Like I'm young and I can always go back to work. And at that point, like Brandon and Sam and Reinstra had already really made names for themselves. And were like, John Van Melsen was around at that time as well, like shredding and Jesse Richmond. And like, there's like a pretty cool North American crew. And, I was like just stoked to be cruising around the world Hanging with out. some of those guys, you know, and like it, it was fun and we had like a little NA blend crew and at that point I still never thought like you know, I would get paid Anything to kite good. or whatever and then Liquid, um, yeah, just Julian Fillion, he's from Canada, the designer at Liquid Forest and yeah, I, somehow through like testing kites with what was SBC Kiteboard at the time with John yeah. Gree and stuff, so yeah. based in Canada. Um, I met like Sleazy and Julian and they're like, oh yeah, you're already friends with like Brandon and stuff. Cool. Like maybe we'll send you guys some kites. And so then I got some free kites from Liquid and then, yeah, I was basically just like spending my own money continuously traveling, like, you know, working odd jobs. And I started a little stand up paddle business back home with like a friend just to like make some money while we're at home in the summer and just do that. And then, yeah, then like at some point I was just getting a little bit better, a little bit better. Got asked to come on like a Liquid Force team shoot. Got a little bit of budget for a few flights and stuff. And yeah, at some point I was just like spending, I guess, equal amount of money to what I was getting from my sponsors and stuff. And that was cool. I was doing that for a bit. And then at some point I just had... Yeah, I guess a, a good result at Rosham and I was hanging out with the right guys. It was like making some cool videos with the other North American riders. And I, yeah, basically at that point, North, which is now, you know, Duotone, Duotone yeah. they, they were looking for a North American team rider because at that point it was like Sky was their North American team rider and he was kind of out on Maui and like riding waves the boards and, yeah. and riding waves and like, so they kind of wanted like one of these like like a park rider guy that was going to create a lot of content for them, not just focused on doing the world tour all year and doing doing those stops. Which you know it's great to have you know, have a well-rounded team. And at that point, they were really starting to push the whole true kiteboarding thing. And that's one of the mentalities that like boards and more and duotone that I respect a lot. And like one of the things that now I'm really trying to emphasize that I think is cool. As the biggest brand, we are trying to be true kiteboarding and just like push things in all the different directions as hard as you can. It doesn't matter if it's such a little niche like foiling a few years ago or whatever. It's like, yeah, who knows how big it can become? Like, so just it's such a young sport, let it do its thing. And yeah, I guess at that point when North like approached me and I was like, oh, like, oh, something like 
before it was like always like Have fighting a tooth table, and nail yeah. to like get money and ask for sponsors and sending PDFs and sponsor me videos and like all this stuff to all these brands trying to like find like a little a little sponsor here that would give you like a few hundred bucks a month or 500 bucks a month or whatever, you know, to like make it all work. And then I was like, Oh, like, yeah. I, at that point, the guys from North or, you know, now Duotone, Duotone, yeah. they're like, all right, we want to send you a contract. And I was just so like loyal <laughs> to liquid force and that crew. Like at that time I felt like we kind of had like a dream team and still looking back on it, it was like such a rad team. We had like at that time, Mauricio Abreu was there. Yeah. And we had like Sleezak and Moy Gold and then like James Bolding and Nick Jacobson and Brandon and there's a whole ton of like really good, good names, writers. yeah. Who at the time, so I was like yeah. really into that. And I was kind of like, unless he's like this European brand wants to like pay me a bunch more money, like I'm not going anywhere. anywhere. And then I like got the contract and was like, Oh, oh, this is interesting. Yeah. And then I was like, fuck, like I think I'm actually gonna like can actually consider myself like a pro kiteboarder now. Like I'm getting paid. Like I can just cruise on this. And then yeah. that just kind of like snowballed. Like now looking back on it, that was like, you know, good to cruise for the year. And like, but now it's kind of like, wow, like actually not a lot of people can say it, but like, I think if you work hard and you kind of like want to do your own thing or, you know, there, there's def definitely ways to make a living in kiteboarding and yeah you know make a career out of it yeah and you see it now like it's don't say like i was paving the way because there's a whole bunch of people before us like you've got like the dres and yeah mauricio and moy and all those guys like um so yeah it's just cool to see now that you have like guys like noah and you and like this whole for a while there were like what's the next generation of park riders look like because we all kind of felt like we're all still progressing and getting better but where's like these the young, young, young bucks like coming up nipping on our heels and then the last few years it's been like oh they're here like yeah they're here like alex mize and like there's tons of them ramiro just won the last event and like it's sick like nipping around yeah and obviously coming from north america it's quite difficult. There's definitely like a, a North American scene with that. Mm -hmm. You know, like the Triple S is like the world championships to North Americans and mm -hmm. it's certainly one of the biggest events in kiting. Mm -hmm. Do you find it hard to kind of to get out and to travel and to go to like different events and stuff like that coming um, from North America or is it, you know, it certainly seems like there's a certain scene with that North American scene that's not like yeah. a European scene, you know, it's completely different. Yeah. I feel like at one point it was harder for us to get out to do events just because I think in North America you have such a strong board sports scene and yeah, that that being said, maybe that's why kiteboarding isn't as big in North America as it is in Europe because yeah, in North America like I guess you have to pay dues to what the other sports before you came in and sometimes I think this gets forgotten about in, in kiteboarding and it's really like a thing for us in North America. Um, so I, I feel like at one point there just wasn't events that were interesting to us. And at that point it was fine for us because like if we looked at the guys we looked up to in snowboarding and skateboarding, they weren't doing the world tour either. They were like yeah. doing one-off event, Red Bull one-off events or like creating like crazy video series or full-length videos and getting on covers. And like those were the, like, I always respected the guys winning all the contests. It's, that's one thing I always have to point out when people you know, we start getting a bit on about style and what you want to do. It's like, oh, don't get me wrong. I 
rate everybody who's like competing on the world tour and riding at that high level. Um, but yeah, at one point I feel like now, now it's cool that you see that there's park events popping up everywhere and especially even like the freestyle events now, it's like people call it like wake style kiteboarding, what these guys are doing. And it's just like, well, for me, just because you like put your kite at 45 and ride boots doesn't mean it's like wake, wake style. style and even like wake style for me as well is a whole nother like funny term that at one point guys like Dre and sleazy and all these guys had to distinguish themselves differently from people doing freestyle and what they were doing and yeah now i think like wake style is kind of like an old term where you have like park riding and what freestyle is now you know so yeah i mean trip less in general now yeah it is kind of like you could say the north american championships because all the best north american riders are typically riding in it but it is a, definitely an international thing and in my opinion, you have like Red Bull King of the Air on one side and like Triple S on the other side. And both of them, to me, really have their like pros and pros and cons. And I think both events could really kind of take stuff from each other. That yeah, you know, there's some things that happen at Triple S. Like they bring in last year, you know, like two chains and the roots, and they make it like a big party. And there's so many people here in Cape Town that are ready to party and don't know what to do after the Everyone event. Everyone just goes home, events yeah. done, finished. I really thought there'd be like much more of a kind of, you know, a vibe afterwards, but it's like, yeah. no, shut it off. I mean, there is. We have yeah, there we is. End up Everyone still sick. goes out. Everyone still goes out, has a good time. But yeah, it's kind of funny. I mean, we had the Red Bull King of the Air after party here, like at, at our yeah, house. So it was like, good. I went to the Dirty Habits. You know, drank all the all the beers and alcohol there, and it was like dry. So then we said, "All right, like come back here, come and back this here." Place and that dry. Yeah. Um, so that was funny because, like, at yeah, at Triple S, it's always just like a thing. A like seven party. days, seven parties, and yeah. And uh, but then, yeah, when you talk about like the venue for Red Bull King of the Air, it's just like, yeah, we have crazy parties, and there's like a big gathering at night but the venue for triple s that's why it's become such a media event because you can only probably get like two or three hundred people even out onto the dock before it comes unsafe and you can't really see what's going on from the backyard at real because you need to like kite two three hundred meters upwind to the slick where where the event is so yeah both of them kind of have their pros and cons and yeah it's quite interesting because the you know the the triple s you know undoubtedly Compared to any other event in the world, I think in terms of how well it's organized and the prize money that they lay on and stuff yeah, like that, you can see why North American riders are like, why am I going to go to Europe to mess about with some badly, you know, without slurring anyone, but badly run competition with rubbish prize money when I can just go to Triple S, have a blast yeah. with my friends and have a chance of earning a decent buck. Yeah, that's one thing too, like sometimes I guess you get called out as a hater but it's one of the things where it's just like no more so I'm just like pointing out what I think is right and for like in my opinion Red Bull King of the Air like they should have the same amount if not more well yeah probably more like they're putting it on the line just as much if not more than anyone in a park event like okay sending it off the kick or going as fast as you can you can get worked for sure but like probably not going to end up in a coma for a week like Lewis did like man I just hope in the future the guys like Red Bull sees that and this event sees that like yeah these guys it's like 50 grand money. prize money over there and I'm not sure exactly what it was but it was like I think it's like 5 grand yeah. first place which isn't a huge amount of money I mean, 
That's for first place, though, and people yeah. have to remember that too. What about the guy in fifth, who's like fifth in the world now at like yeah, and he probably got event, a few hundred. He probably couldn't cover his his flights and stuff, and that's that's shitty, you know. Um, yeah, but, it doesn't have that trickle down effect, does it? But I think that's just one of the things too, where yeah, kiteboarding is growing, and yeah, North America Triple S is is the, like the big thing. The like, pinnacle. If you're if you're coming from like you're a kiteboarder in North America, that. I, I mean, I don't know any, like, Gromit who's coming up that was like, no, I want to do, like, the Freestyle World Tour. You know, there's only been a hand, like, a Rocky Chatwell or... Yeah, like a handful of them. Yeah. That's what's interesting, because there's, you know, in, in Europe, certainly, and even Australia to an extent, I guess because it's accessible, you know, you, you do the Freestyle World Tour, a lot of the events are in Europe. Yeah. Um, you had guys like Aaron pave the way, so sort of mm-hmm. show that you could make a career out of it. And then, you know, in the US, there isn't even really like a US tour or a North American yeah. tour. It's just like that one event is yeah. like, that's it. Well, there's like, there's a bunch of like smaller events and there's some co- collegiate events. You know, they do quite a lot of stuff down in Florida and on the East Coast. But yeah, like I said, it's it's funny. Like even in a place like Hood River, I don't, there may be like one kid in the whole high school who kiteboards. Like Hood River is the epicenter of kiteboarding on, on the West in, Coast. In the world almost, you know, you could And like, yeah, we're, we're having the, you know, kite expo there and yeah, it's it's massive. You, like when it's windy, you see so many kites in, in in the river. It's insane. And yet, from and the high yet, school, there's like one kid that does yeah. it. Why is that? That's crazy. It's because yeah, if you're you're growing up there, the skateboarding and snowboarding scene, the mountain biking scene as well. Like, but mountain biking is almost like more like kiting as well, kind of like sport for dad and and the uncle. Whereas like if you're a kid, you're, if you're skateboarding, a kid, you're skateboarding and snowboarding and. I think now, hopefully, we'll see more and more kids with, like, a proper park in Hood River. Yeah, start to recognize it as something they can do. But, yeah, it's uh, it's funny how it works there. I feel like in these, it's just one thing, you know, if they were to see what's actually going down at the park, then, then they'd probably be more into cool. it. But most of the time, they probably just go to the event site or something with... See some know, people mowing the lawn and going up and down and go, yeah. oh, it doesn't have much fun. yeah. So it's 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 funny how that works, but yeah, I think in general, kiting is just slowly gaining traction in North America. I feel like the whole surf scene as well is just more accepting of it. Like kind of the stand-up paddleboarders took a little bit of the heat off of our back, you know. So like, <laughs> the surfers can hate on the stand-up paddleboarders and go, yeah, you know, if it is really blown out now, maybe I'm just gonna like grab a kite or ride a foil or whatever. Yeah. So. But it's becoming not, more accessible and definitely not going to stand accepted. up paddleboard because they're the, the worst people on the water. No, you don't want Whereas to be we, caught. We used to be the worst people on the water and now they are. Yeah. So yeah. You don't want to be caught janitoring up the ocean, sweeping <laughs> it up. Sweeping up over there and sweeping yeah. up over here. <laughs> Did you ever want to be like a pro skater or a pro snowboarder? Yeah, at one point was I was wanted... like something that you had in mind because, like, you know, we're saying that that's those sort of a key sports in mm-hmm. North America that kids are like skating or snowboarding, and mm-hmm. they've blown up guys like Tony Hawk and yeah, so many skate parks around, and the snowboarding's really accessible and really good, and some amazing riders. So was that something that was a focus for you at some point? Uh, I, to be a pro skateboarder, snowboarder, maybe for like a split second, I think. But then for, you fell over and realized you weren't good enough. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't that great. I mean, I think I was all right. I, that's one thing I'm, I'm stoked on now that I feel like I can grab any board, be it a skateboard or snowboard, surfboard, whatever, and like ride at a decent level. 
Um, but I always wanted to be a professional hockey player probably till I was about 12, 13, yeah, maybe even 14. Yeah, you used to play that a lot, right? Yeah, yeah, like every kid in Canada pretty much is growing up playing hockey. Just like if you don't play hockey, you're kind of like a weirdo. Yeah. And like Five probably have no chance of ever getting any chicks in school. You know, right. like it's... you got to play hockey. Yeah, you got to play hockey and be at least decent at it to <laughs> have like girls be interested in you in Canada, I guess, until a certain age, you know, but like when you're... When you're just popping into high school and stuff, like that's so definitely. If you're on the hockey team, if you're on the hockey team and one of the good guys, it definitely helps out. You know? Yeah. But uh, yeah, I always kind of wanted to be a pro hockey player, and then right around that age is where it starts to get really serious. And I was, I won't say like amazing, but I was a good hockey player. And um, yeah, at that age, people start talking about getting drafted and scouts and all this stuff, and I was really into it for a bit, and it was like. Everyone was pushing me really hard, and I was all about it. And then at some point, it just got, like, really heavy. Like, I don't know, mentally or physically or what, but, like, at some point, I was just like, whoa, this is, like, pretty heavy. I don't know if I want to be a pro kite or or pro hockey Hockey player player, because if that's what this means, like, on the ice six or seven days a week, training, going to the gym, I don't know if I'm into that. And at that point, too, I was really starting to, like, skateboard and snowboard a bit more and to the point where... Like, my friends were all buying the magazines and the videos. Like, you'd spend, like, 40 bucks on the VHS. Just watch it time and time. And a, a lot of the guys in, like, the skate and snowboard mags I was reading about, like, my favorite guys, were kind of always bashing on the jock mentality or, like, the com- <laughs> being so competitive or, like, yeah. wanting to beat someone. Like, wanting to beat another p- person to these guys, like, wasn't cool. Like, you should, like, just do as good as you can do and do your own thing and, like, do your things in your own way. And I don't know, I guess I was just like a kid, a super impressionable kid at that point and thought that, that was way cooler than being like a hockey jock. And yeah, at that point, I guess I was just like, nah, okay, like slowly stop. Like I stopped playing hockey probably when I was like, like competitively when I was like 16 or 17, just basically, yeah, became such a pain in, in the butt for like the coaches because they're like, here's this kid with talent, but yet he has no motivation and all I wanted to do was skate and snowboard and stuff and like quit playing baseball and soccer football whatever you know you want to call it and yeah it's like I was starting to piss off my parents and at that age I was just all I wanted to do was skate and and, uh, yeah, I guess you're in that impressionable teenage yeah. years, isn't it? You're like anything that you know, anything that's slightly rebellious. A lot yeah. of kids go through it, and they're like, "No, that's what I want to do with my life." Yeah. At that point, I don't even think Things I like to everyone else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Both up, like real <laughs> hard, you know. Yeah, this is it. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think at that point, I wasn't thinking about being pro anything. I just wanted to be like just hanging out with my thing. friends cruising around on the streets on my skateboard causing shit you know yeah. <laughs> and that was all it was about like i thought for me like growing up in that area i didn't know any like pro skateboarders or snowboarders who came from that area like now looking back there was like one guy who came from from that area who's been like super successful mark appleyard rides for globe and a bunch of other brands but like yeah i mean people think oh you're from canada oh there's like snowboard it must be like tons of snowboarders coming from that area but it's the great lakes like there's like yeah. there's a mountain but it's more of a hill yeah and it's like three hours from my parents house so it was all like all the snowboarding i was doing was like backyard sort of setups and setting up little ramps and riding street yeah. rails and stuff like yeah, that yeah yeah so. basically just skateboarding in the in the winter 
because Basically, there's yeah. snow, you can't skateboard, so you just go and ride your snowboard around like it's your skateboard. <laughs> there's loads and loads of snow, that's for sure. Like, that's one thing. I, I see, like, a lot of my friends and a lot of the people who I'm traveling with now are so hyped to go on a snowboarding trip, and I've kind of had enough. Like, you're like yeah, I'll go, I'm stoked when I'm at home in Hood River and we get a good powder day. For sure, I'm not going to miss that. I'll go, but I'm not that keen to go cruise the groomers or go ride in the park snowboarding either yeah, like, I just had cold over. and I see like sh- <laughs> I've shuffled enough driveways like no joke as a kid it would be like before you go to school like my my old man had to go to work at usually like leave the house at like 6 30 to be to work for seven or whatever and uh yeah he'd be waking us up to help him shovel the driveway because like open the garage door up and snow just, just came everywhere. in there and like we live out in the country, so it was a pretty decent-sized driveway, and he wasn't trying to do it all by himself. So it would be like, I don't know, just remember that. I'm like, enough of that. Yeah. You know? like, I'm stoked to be out here in Cape Town for as long as possible. And Missing then, as much of the winter. Yeah, definitely. Just keep going for summers, chasing mm-hmm. them around. Yeah. And then, you know, when you, when you started, you know, riding professionally, obviously you're in that North American scene, and a, part, a big part of that was the the park riding because mm-hmm. you've got real on your doorstep which yeah. is you know the longest established park there was you mentioned guys like Murray Gold and Moosey Obrew and you know Brandon and those guys so were you riding park quite early on in your career yeah so basically that um that first trip down to real uh, I should have probably bought like the zero to hero series you know, <laughs> dvd series they used to have I yeah think now they have it online or it's on their youtube or whatever but uh, yeah, at some point they had this like five disc set that that probably would have been been the cop. But uh, instead, I bought the Triple S DVD and <laughs> went back home, <laughs> bought What's a set of Ronics wakeboard boots and slapped it on before I could even do a rally to blind, you know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, then that was it. Like I remember meeting Sam and Sam being like, "Oh, this guy's set. like we're like buddies." off the water because we're like the same age but like yeah. on the water he must have just I know now he thought I was just like the biggest poser yeah. like, <laughs> because I just had like the boots the liquid force set up like yeah I was just like doing back rolls to reverts and re- like crips and stuff and like not even trying to pass the handles keeping the kite super low and just like and Sam was already doing like a lot of the tricks like he was doing like you know, KGBs and slims and mobs and all that so it was funny like hanging out with him at the start because I'm sure he was just like embarrassed yeah. <laughs> so you were a park rider before you were even riding yeah, park you were I, like that's it I've found my calling I'm yeah. going to be wearing boots and baggy shorts probably at the time and I, yeah I think, it. I think like the second year I went down to real I went with Sam another friend of ours, Dave Drinkwater, and uh, Sam already kind of had the in that reel to hit the sliders and stuff, so like I was like coattailing on that session, and uh, I'm pretty sure I was like hitting the, what was the old John Wayne A-frame, or flat bar, sorry, before I did a handle pass, so. I really, yeah, I, just I'm, like... I'm almost 100% sure that like I was hit, doing a, a backboard before a, you can really a... blind. <laughs> well, fun. if you can do that, you don't need to do a rally to blind, do you? You can just dine out on it. Yeah. <laughs> Be like, well, I'm hitting the sliders. Yeah. And then you've been quite involved with the the kite part league in terms yeah. of competing on it, and obviously is one of the the 
more mature riders, I guess, that mm-hmm. you know, have been around the scene for a lot longer. How did that kind of come about and how's that been going? Yeah, it's been going really good. Um, I mean, the Kite Park League in general is just like such a cool crew of people. I feel like um, we're, we're all so aligned of what we want to see in the sport. And yeah, it's pretty pretty uh, cool group of people to go to events with and have around. And everyone's just happy to see it grow organically. Like we've obviously had a lot of people trying to uh, take things over or want to get involved and at the end of the day we've all kind of been like you know just do it keep doing our own thing and if you know it works out then then it does but yeah lately to be honest it's just been um i've been so busy with stuff with boards more and duotone uh that i haven't been able to be as involved with the kite park league as i'd like but we do have uh yeah there's a group of five people i think it's like right now um, Brandon, um, Alexander Hughes, Reinstra, Colleen, and I think Sam White, um, who are kind of like the head of the council. Yeah. yeah. Basically, those guys and girls are trying to just make sure that, you know, we're all, we're, you know, they'll just make polls in our little online groups and kind of make sure everybody's aligned on things. But if it's something that like really needs to come down to a decision, I think, yeah. Pretty much everybody's fine with those five making Makes decisions and not line. having like one person kind of in charge. Although like Reinstra definitely takes the charge and is for probably for sure the most passionate of any of us. And he's been injured for a bit, so he's had like a bit more time to put into focus it. in that. But um, yeah, it's good. I mean, are you going to keep competing this year? I don't know. The thing is, actually. Just as we were finishing up shooting Goodbye, Hello, um, video that Noah just dropped, uh, I ran into the side of, actually, we didn't finish it, I was like, actually bummed, I had a few more tricks I wanted to film for that video, and we're, we're filming a line, hitting one slider, then, yeah, maybe 15 feet, so like 5 meters after that, another slider, and then the kicker, like really close by, so we're basically riding like a skate just line. Like bang, 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 line. yeah. And I, I came off the second slider a bit weird and my kite was looping and basically I ran into the side of the kicker not the front but the side with my kite looping and ended up fracturing my left ankle in five different spots like some micro Mm. fractures but one of them is right across the talus bone which is your main bone in your ankle and that that's been taking a long time to heal up and then while that was healing I started to notice my right ankle was feeling really funny as well. I was crutching around on my right when my left was, you know, when my left was in the boot cast. And at that point, I know something was wrong with the right and uh, I had to go, I didn't really get a proper check on it. We just did like a quick MRI and uh, yeah, they basically just, I had like some bad bone bruising and other stuff going on in there, ligament damage. And I just thought it'd be be fine in a few months and uh yeah then they went over to the office in munich for a few weeks and it was tom court's wedding went over to the uk and then um yeah we had some boards to test and me and aaron went to the cable park at liquid leisure and i was like what what is this all about like my ankle felt so bad like my not my left my left one felt like it was slowly getting healing. better and you're right, right one i was like bad. what is going on and i couldn't even really make it around too many laps just went back home and Got another MRI, but this time with contrast. And this time, yeah, they found like a bunch of bone chips floating around, some like 
bone on bone, a little piece of cartilage that was like catching and like, yeah, of course course you're going to be feeling it. You need a tune-up. So basically I had a scope, uh, ankle scope, uh, yeah, a couple days after Christmas. I just got back in the water like two weeks ago, like kiting on a strapless board, just Just cruising into that, surfing every day, but definitely not kiting at the level I want to be. And yeah, I don't know. It's interesting because... I kind of wanted to do the Kite Park League full tour a couple of years to like just, yeah, not prove myself, but also just like at a, in 2017, ended up on fifth overall and thought like, okay, like that's not good for me. far off the podium. You could... Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I had a podium that year and I've always been the sort of guy, like I said earlier on, where it's just like a, not trying, I don't need to like feel like I need to beat someone else. Like, I, I just want to ride the way I do. And if someone thinks someone's better than me, then that's totally fine. And if, you know, some kids like what I'm doing and they rate that, then cool as well. Um, like, you know, having guys like Alex Mize and stuff come up to you, like, when they're first coming to the events and be like, man, you're one of my favorite riders. Like, that's <laughs> that's rad for me, like, seeing stuff like that, knowing I influenced someone who now I rate as one of the yeah. top guys. And this is cool. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It, I kind of have a project on the go right now where I'm hoping it kind of all works its way out for Triple S. And if uh, if that happens, I'd like to kind of just go shoot a project around that and just kind of go to the event. Um, maybe judge. I don't know. I judged the last event in Brazil because we were already there doing some stuff with Duotone. We had like freestyle team house yeah. organizing out in, in Taiba. And so the KPL event was on there and no way was going. And so it's like I'll cruise out there and judge that event and I think that was kind of fun like to be honest like the whole judging thing is a lot of a lot more work than people think and basically like riding event is almost easier than judging, judging event. It. not easier but like there's more more effort that goes into more time that goes yeah. into judge because when you finish a heat you're, you're, you're done, done and you're waiting you, for your next heat but you're judging you've got everything so I'm kind of wondering like do I want to spend time to do that or just go to the event, shoot video and like be the team manager, help out, give some support and just do that whole side of things. But then on the other side, you have like some of the younger riders who are just like, dude, you're still like one of the you know, best guys on the rails. Like you got to come out and I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where I'm just like, I don't know. We'll, we'll see so. when it gets closer to it. But like I went to the cable the other day and it was like, oh yeah, I still got some rail hits, but yeah, I hit the kicker a few times, and the next day I was like, oh, yeah, ankles, ankles definitely need some time, you know, like, there's no, there's no hurry, and um, the physio who I've been working with, uh, he's basically, like, told me, you know, you can get new knees, you can get new hips, and, like, replace spinal fusions and all this stuff, but your ankles are, like, there's so many small bones that you really have to take care, and, like, yeah. you can't just replace your ankles, you're just going to be, like, arthritis Crippled. man like go back to Canada visit your family at Christmas and you're not gonna like move properly so like take it easy so yeah it's one of those things now it's like I don't have the pressure of or like not that the guys at Duotone never were putting the pressure on you to like compete a ton or anything they're they happy with what we we're doing and doing our thing was you know why we we're there in the first place so there never really was that pressure I guess it was just kind of you thinking yourself, uh, uh, you know, there's a yeah. world tour for like the discipline you've pushed for for so long, so you might as well do it and help it grow. And 
I also feel like now it's at the point too where we've got guys like Noah and others to like carry the flag for the brand and everything. So it's it's almost become like a self fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? Like it's now it's it's running its own. It's got its own life now. Yeah, it's it's cool and. Even if, know. you know, some of the bigger, na- well, not the bigger names, but even if Reinstra sort of said, oh, I've had enough, there'd probably someone else that would want to step up. You know, yeah, yeah. Go, oh, well, we'll come on and we'll do it. Whereas five years ago, that wouldn't have happened if any one of you guys had just gone, oh, you know what, we can't be bothered. Yeah. It could have all collapsed. Whereas it's just, now it's become big enough that it could. Yeah, it's the same thing with Brandon too. Like when I was judging at that event, he's like, oh, maybe I'm going to judge at the next one as well because, yeah, he doesn't feel like he needs, like he won a bunch of the events and won the overall this year, but... He's just there because he's riding and, and loves it. He's not like being like, oh, I'm going to smash these guys. Like <laughs> he, he just just ended up smashing them this year, you know, and that, that was cool to see. But yeah, I know he, him as well. He's like, I think it's, especially with like someone like him, me and Rowdy as judges, this could be also interesting because we all kind of agree on 90% of things with like Alexander Hughes, you know, he's pretty vocal in the kiteboarding yeah. community and I, I do have to say like 90% of the stuff he says I agree with and um, yeah I, I think just in, in kiteboarding in general I mean this is I guess one thing that I try to kind of point out to people and then just having like a conversation with them about kiteboarding and why maybe some of my friends get like a bad rap of being like haters or more vocal than other people in the sport and like that's just because they follow like skateboarding snowboarding wakeboarding more closely where no one gets their feelings hurt if you do something if you say you don't like something that they're doing because they're so stoked and they're they believe in what they're doing so they're confident in what they're doing it's just like when someone says to us like oh why do you guys like put these pieces of plastic in the water it's so stupid like you know and you're going well we like you know, there's park riding in every other sport like they put rails out in the snowboarding hills and they do it in wakeboarding so why not like we we like doing this we're like riding the park in every other sport so why not do why it not? For this one? and if you don't like it that that's, that's fine. it doesn't bother me that's like i'm going wow if the, everybody did the same thing and thought the same way the world would be such a boring place but in general in kiteboarding people are like if you say like oh you don't think it's cool that people put their board between their legs these days then people get all upset about it. It's like, <laughs> you can go do it. Like, don't stop doing it because I'm saying it or because one of my friends has been vocal about it. Like, if you like that, do it. But, like, just be confident in what you're doing and, like, yeah. be happy. Don't, like, that's no, us going, like, like you're kind of second-guessing it then as well, no? Yeah. Like, if you're, worried about, if you're it. worried about it, then you've obviously got some issues around it. And that was going to be my next question. You know, you're, you've always been super passionate about style and you're, a very stylish rider you know what does style mean to you i don't know it's always one of those things where i guess with style it's just one of those things that's so hard to put like a pin on what's good style or what's not because some riders all like rate massively and then two years later i'm like i don't actually like their style that much (laughs) anymore it just changes and it's not like anything that they did different it's just yeah things change and things evolve and younger people come in and older people do weird stuff and like it's yeah it's it's funny but um yeah I mean I guess style for me is just someone if I really had to like yeah put a phrase to it I guess just like someone who just does their own thing and is confident in it and like looks good doing it 
you know, because there's a lot of people who do te- like it's textbook, you know, I don't want to name any names because there's a lot of guys who I rate very, they're very good athletically and they do stuff textbook and that's like, it's not shitty. It doesn't look bad, but it's just textbook and those guys really struggle to have that extra little bit of style because there's just so they're like technically so standard and so good like they couldn't really probably do it any better but then there's other people where yeah they just they can make the most basic tricks look really good or make the most technical tricks look super easy so yeah i mean someone i guess i can like call out on it because i know he'll have a good laugh about it (laughs) is alex mize because Two or three years ago, he was doing all the tricks that, like, all the top rail riders were doing. Like, he could see me do something and just probably go pick it up pretty quickly. And same with, like, he'd see stuff that Sam's doing or Brandon or whatever, and he could just... But it it looked skitzy. It looked spastic. And he was doing it and getting the job done. And now, this year, riding with him in Brazil, I was like, well, I'm really rating his style. Like, he's developed his own... He's still, like spins in, his, in a different way than say Noah or you and, and like I also really rate those like I feel like those three guys really have really good style at the moment and it's all quite different like Noah compared to Alex compared to you and they're all doing different things and same with Brandon as well and Sam like they all those five I'd say those are like the top five park rider guys at the moment they all really like Brandon powerhouse Sam like super technical maybe a bit more textbook but still does stylish tricks and then you and the same maybe even like a bit more technical now but still kind of like a bit textbook as well you know but still puts a little bit extra and then i feel like noe and alex are just have developed such a different standout style it just like, looks completely different looks it, completely when different yeah those are probably the two guys who i'm like rating like when you're just riding seeing them do tricks like, Brandon has the biggest bag of tricks, for sure. But then, like, Noah and, and Alex are just, like, I don't know. They're just doing something a bit different, for sure. Tweaking it that little bit more. Grabbing and then Xander as well, different. now that Noah's been hanging out with Xander, who's, like, new on our team, did the last couple Kite Park League stops. He's really bringing a lot of, like, snowboard styles of things. And you just see that translate so much, so quickly in, into someone's riding when they're, like, so good at another board sport that they just can it's so transferable isn't yeah. it it's like you're two feet on a board going sideways yeah so there's quite a few sports that you you know do yeah, that yeah. You're basically sliding on a plank going sideways and mm-hmm. if you've got skills on one it transfers across quite easily yeah definitely how are you finding it as um you know your role at duotone with team management now mm-hmm. is that taking up quite a bit more of your time are you enjoying it yeah i love it it's uh to enjoy your job so much and to sometimes spend like eight ten hours a day and whoa i like i have to build my my out like i use this app to like you know manage my time and stuff and sometimes man like it's cool to see how much time you can put in and not seem like working like noah has this ongoing joke i'm not sure if some people think he's being a prat or not but like this on Instagram he's always saying like no days off but it's true like in the last month I don't know the last time or like maybe there's been like one or two days here and there but he's like always on his computer always editing or learning and I feel like the same thing too I I can't remember the last time I took a full day off because there's always like 
someone messaging, someone needing something, something to post, some like dot to connect. Always something happens. Yeah, yeah. and, and it, I lot like there's only a few things where I'm like, oh, this this sucks or whatever. But that's such like a small percentage of things. Or yeah, like like you're saying, like with people thinking, oh, maybe it's like a babysitting job. Like I was saying before, <laughs> it's not at all because everybody's on it. And right now, I feel like at Duotone, it's just like all cylinders firing more more than ever before. So I think everybody at the team sees it as starting to notice it as well. Like we're just on it and yeah I, I guess I also have to say I'm like super lucky that we have all these guys supporting us back in Munich as well you know like not only my bosses in marketing but like my colleagues back in, in the office like everybody's super passionate about what's going on right now and I think it was just a, a cool time to kind of move into that position like I'd already been doing quite a lot of odd marketing and special projects and photo shoots management and all that sort of stuff over the years but yeah kind of it became official last year this time where they said okay this is actually it and with the brand switch there's going to be like a blank whiteboard to kind of just go crazy with team stuff and yeah basically you know come august the brand was switching names i you know my ankle was done and I was moving into this new position and I was kind of like a bit like whoa what's going on here um but it ended up being like the perfect thing to just like keep me focused when, when my ankle was all done and just yeah kind of put my head down and create all these fun projects and yeah basically try to get get the most out of the team because all of a sudden I was like all right well I can't do anything so like let's get these guys doing this and doing that and it, I mean for me too it's kind of one of these things now where in the past year I've done a bunch of projects that are you know just as fulfilling as any web video or I mean of course there was the bubble and that for me was like the highlight of like what I did as a just as thinking solely as a pro rider but now in this past year like you know organizing and executing the Grom search and like this enter the world of duotone video and a bunch of new series we have coming out and all these different projects like things that you're been, maybe not in front of the camera as yeah. much as pulling all the strings and making it happen behind yeah. the camera and even like talking to my parents about it being like no like this was kind of like i was pulling the strings on this and this is how yeah. it all worked i'm like just as proud if not more excited to do things like that you know or like getting getting the people together in the the house this year in brazil just just because like it's like people are wondering what, what are you doing there it's like i just wanted to get the freestyle team together get all of our younger riders like if you wanted to come you could if you want to mug it off no, no problems problem. yeah i'm just gonna rent like a big house and s stick everybody in there together and no way was gonna film and we'll talk a little bit of shit on riding and you know getting getting them thinking a little bit more creativity cre creatively about their riding and stuff and yeah, just work with them on, you know, some fitness stuff and social media stuff and self-marketing and just kind of like, it was pretty chill vibes. It wasn't like we had a classroom every morning and workouts and all this, but like you did see a progression. You did see like team bonding and team building and, you know, Val did a Mob 7 and a Backside 9 and Coco Ludo did the first front Mob 5 and yeah, there's a bunch of like... Noah's just upstairs working on the video right now, but there's a bunch of cool stuff that went down and it's just like 
just projects like that. And like I said, especially with the Grom search, like going to Brazil and, you know, having the ability to pick out a couple kids as like the big brand or the market leader, however you want to say it, like that's it's a pretty cool feeling to be yeah. able to like go do that and be like, you know what, we're going to take these two kids under the wing. We're going to give them support not only support, but like English lessons and working with them, not just on kiteboarding, but uh, developing them into like hopefully into world champions. But if not, at the end of the day, like good ambassadors for the sport and for the brand and everything. So this is it's quite yeah, a long um, way, quite a long way to come from being a hockey jock. <laughs> for sure quite amazing how the sort of you know decisions that you make and the paths that you take end up leading you somewhere yeah. it's funny too because I was actually talking to my, my old man about that when I was home and it was just like it's almost like because he was always a hockey coach like he coached just a bunch when I was a kid and I was saying it's like kind of like that we yeah. can like put people on the bench and like bring people out onto the you know onto the court or into the rink or whatever, you know, sort of field you're working in. But yeah, like I was saying to him, like give, like giving, helping to give kids like this opportunities. And like same with like Val Rodriguez. Here's someone I'm super hyped on at the moment. I really can't wait to see what he's gonna do this year. Just actually, as you were coming upstairs, I was on the phone with his mom trying to figure out a training camp for him with Fabio and Mika and Bonaire. But yeah, there's a kid who like just coming straight out of Colombia and no one really knew anything about him and he'd been messaging wanting like sponsorship from Duotone for a while hitting us up on Instagram on Facebook everything and it's kind of like uh, you can do the tricks but you know there's a lot of kids who can do the tricks and then he just ended up showing up at the last uh, stop or I think it was in Morocco or something and um basically ended up in fourth and no one even knew who he was he beat a bunch of like the top guys and uh yeah then i was actually sitting in the office in munich and everybody's going who is this kid because like you know, <laughs> you're like oh he's damn been, he's been, that's a kid who's been hitting me up on been, instagram he's, he's pretty good like, shit <laughs> and uh so then i like messaged him straight away i was like yo dude i thought see you riding an rd kite like did they hook you up like What's he's like deal? No, he's like some guy at my local spot. He saw me and thought I had has some potential, so he, he paid for me to go to the event and uh, paid for me to get a new twelve meter RDC kite <laughs> in the bar. And yeah, I said okay, well, yeah, yeah we're gonna send you some kites then. Like try to figure out how to send him kites and realize like where he lives is almost impossible to get him kites. So you almost got to drive him there yourself. After yeah, flying him there. so then we're looking at like fly flying him to Miami and flying him to the warehouse um on the east coast and stuff and then by the time we kind of figured things out it was like time for the next stop so we just bought him a ticket to munich and philip went philip becker went met him at the uh at the airport and brought him back to the office he met everybody who had a couple of board bags sitting there with like all those new ready to go he's like ready to go and you know now he came met us all in brazil hung out at the house and you know this year he's gonna get like full support to do the tour and just trying to like sort his whole thing out, but you know, being able to like work with kids like that. And yeah, and that's just one rider from the whole team. Yeah, just so like you're doing that with. The, yeah, meeting him else. for the first time in Brazil, and like me and Aaron are sitting there on the side of the lagoon chilling, and I'm like, I think that's that like that Rodriguez kid just starts destroying. <laughs> like there's there's all these other pro riders on the lagoon, and you're just like, 
wow. like he was standing out, you know, and uh, basically he came by and I was like, hey, Val, and then he like noticed it was me and Aaron sitting there. I was like, Aaron reckons you can do a seven. He's like, no, no, like I've never done one before. And we're like, man, like your mob fives are massive. Like, yeah, you <laughs> definitely can do the seven. <laughs> like if I was your age with your skills, I'd be hucking that seven yeah. right now. So let's have it, you know? And he's like, yeah, yeah. And Aaron's like, yeah, yeah, I get it. And like, basically I think just having Aaron and I there like egging him on a bit, he got it. He Like the first one he tried, it was just like a massive butt check and everything but then yeah a few times later just like stomp get some dialed in it's just for me it's like almost just it is just as cool or rewarding to like see stuff like that happen and like work with the brand on on that front because it is kind of like uh yeah playing a little bit of chess i guess you can say or whatever and yeah we'll see what happens this year with him but yeah definitely have hopefully doesn't hear it and get it all all bent out of shape and feel like the pressure's on, but I have high hopes for for him this year. Like I think he's the only one who's doing the triple swaps other than Bebe. Maybe someone else is doing them now, correct me, but I don't know. And then yeah, he he's definitely got the tricks. So see what happens. Are you gonna get along to some of the events this year? Yeah, I think I'm gonna head to the first one in in Macat, actually. Mostly because yeah, we have a bunch of younger riders now on the team who I kinda just wanna Go and check See how out. they operate it, you know, competitions, and, competitions and, stuff. and stuff and, you know, be there to make sure if they need help or they don't have a caddy sorted or whatever that, you know, I'm there. Um, but yeah, mostly just to, yeah, kind of check out how things go there with the first event for the freestyle world tour. I think it's going to be interesting to see how it goes there. I've heard a lot of mixed things about what's going to happen, how the format's going to work. Is it going to be like big air? After it gets to a certain strength of wind, or will it be a couple big air stops? Because it seems like they want it to be like a twin tip world yeah, tour, round kind of twin tip rider kind of vibe yeah. to it, maybe. But yeah, it doesn't seem too much information coming out about it. Yeah, it's so. interesting. You'd think like, so I, I mean, I'm going to sound pretentious, but you'd think someone like myself who's interested to know and involved with the brand that would know a bit more about it. But it's it's kind of pretty confidential, it seems at the moment. So. Yeah, we'll see. It's just a few months away. It'll be interesting to go to those first riders meetings and see like what the criteria is and stuff. Because it, for me, it's really interesting because I personally think you have like um, big air should be big air, like Red Bull king of the air, like super, super windy. And even this year, it was like it was good, but it would have been nice to see it in even stronger wind. Yeah, to have maybe longer Solid holding periods. Maybe and same with the park riding, like. We don't want to have seven events in a year. Everyone wants to kind of, like three events. We, the first year we had five and this past year we like knocked it down to make sure we had three quality events. Mostly because a lot of riders don't, you know, have the budget to go to a ton of events, but mostly because they'd like to use that budget and otherwise to like do cool video projects and yeah, do other go, things. yeah, just explore and live the search a little bit. Um, so I think that would be, in my eyes, I see like uh, a massive world tour for directional free uh, strapless, like, you know, the event yeah. we're just watching a bit of it today, Cabo Verde, like let's, that should definitely be, you know, four or five, six stops, um, whatever they, you know, is profitable and makes sense. And then same with freestyle. And then to have like triple crown for big air and, and park is like, what I see is the perfect scenario but i don't know you know not 
that's another thing. That's just my opinion. So maybe there is a better perfect scenario that you know these guys have ideas for. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting for me. It's just like I think a discipline should be a discipline, and you shouldn't mix it too much because it you know it gives some it, it makes good at someone one like maybe beatable yeah. as well in freestyle, which. I mean, like I said, I have high hopes for Val, but and and Max Chabols is really shredding as well. Like that that guy is talented. Like you're gonna hear more from him for sure on the freestyle side of things. Max is shredder, but it makes those sort of guys more beatable by you know other guys who maybe are like right nipping at their heels, but not quite quite there. And I'm sorry, I forgot to mention Liam as well. Like Liam's in there. You got Liam. Val, Max, and Bebe, and like Bebe is obviously seeming like a step higher, but all of a sudden you get someone like Bebe, who I hate to say it, but like the kites don't jump that well, no matter what it, what kite out of the range, it just doesn't seem to jump that well compared to someone like Kevin on his Nashes, or yeah. you know Liam was going massive on his F1 kites as well, and like our rider, like there's lots of kites that jump well, but like for example, that kind of sucks for someone like. For Bebe, where it's just like he's not training big air. I mean, he, he could train, he could switch his focus to do it, but like, I mean, he definitely looked like a fish out of water at the King of the Air. I thought, like, yeah. he didn't look comfortable at all. And I mean, I'm sure he could get comfortable. He's so yeah, talented he's and so, so athletic. Good. But it's one of those things where, like, when you train your whole life pretty much for this discipline, and then all of a sudden they say, "Okay, now we want to see you do triple front roll board offs." Like, yeah, what the. I remember they did the they did the big air event in um, Tarifa, and I was there for that. And it was like a GKA thing, and Liam was there, and he actually broke his ankle. And Bebe was there as well. Yeah. And it was like they it was hardly any wind. Yeah. And they were out doing all their freestyle tricks. Like it was yeah. maybe twenty knots. And yeah. They were just doing nice big powered freestyle tricks, and it yeah. looked really good. Mm-hmm. And then they were like. But now I have to come in and switch to foot straps and do a board off. Yeah, and it was on the board off that Liam hurt himself because he only got like yeah four meter jump or something because that was how windy it was yeah. and trying to do a board off and then landed funny and broke his ankle. And you're like, should have just said actually we'll leave the big air and mm-hmm. make it a freestyle comp because yeah. that's what the wind limit is. Yeah, and then it works for everyone rather than trying to force something. Yeah, I mean I'm sure like regardless of how you become the world champion. It- sick to be a world champion but i'm sure like liam for example he wants to beat bebe at freestyle he doesn't want to be like that asterisk like oh you win a world championship because you're you a little bit better at him board off no him. like quite a bit better than him at, at like old school yeah. kiteboarding so like in my opinion liam wants to win in freestyle or val wants to beat bebe in freestyle or like they don't want to like no. beat him because Halfway through the heat, they went in and grabbed their strap board and did a, did a quadruple dangle. Yeah. What I, what I don't even know what you call those tricks anymore because for me, that's like old school. It's one of those things where it's for your, more for your average Joe or for someone who just wants to go out and have a, have a good you know, weekend kite. Or like, I'm not saying I don't go out and just dangle around every now and then and do some dorky tricks like but yeah for those like five to, guys at the top to do a world tour for it is like no big air kiteboarding is like gnarly it's yeah. not twizzling around out there and like 
I know a lot of people will say, yeah, but like people need to relate to it. And this is another thing that kind of angers me. It actually, <laughs> it, it makes me upset because in no other board sport do you like cater and market towards the average Joe. Like in snowboarding, you don't have videos and cover shots of, of people going down the groomers. You get inspired by what the top people are doing because they're doing shit that you could never imagine to do before. Like, I don't want to watch a surf video of a guy like riding like waist high waves out here at Big Bay on a mini like, bow. Yeah, yeah, like I can do that. Like get done. I don't want to. I want to be inspired. I want to see like, yeah, like this Mikey February guy or Craig Anderson. Like I want to like see good surfing and that like same with snowboarding. Like I want to watch, you know, the good the good guys. So it's funny to me where it could be like. Okay, sometimes I get it with magazines. Okay, you got to have relatable content at times, but you also need to have inspirational content. But a world tour for... It's like, it's like, okay, let's do a world tour for going down the... Like, hitting yeah. the kiddie park. Yeah, it's That's kind basically... Of, it's <laughs> kind of funny. I mean, it was just the, the strapless one at the moment that's on and they're out in Cape Verde and I watched like two minutes of it yesterday and I just couldn't watch it I was just like I don't even know why this is being showcased and okay it's like someone said we were at a whatsapp group we we're chatting and I was like this is just yeah it's, why is this part of the world tour and I got it's chicken and egg you know what comes first you know mm -hmm. but if people can't ride to a level yeah you know then why are they being showcased on a live stream which doesn't come cheap but yeah cost a fortune and why are they getting the equal prize money and you know all this kind of like it needs to be like the pinnacle of the sport. If it's yeah. a world tour, it needs to be the absolute pinnacle. Yeah. And if people aren't there or they're changing the discipline to allow people in that maybe aren't at that level, then yeah. they kind of you think, well, what's wrong with that? And like yeah. you say, like Liam and Bebe don't want to beat each other at doing twizzles. They want to no, beat each no. other at yeah. doing all the moves that they spent their entire life exactly. training for. Exactly. It's almost a shame to see someone like Liam wants to be at King of the Air because he is a good kiteboarder and like, like, I don't know if you saw Ewan's latest video where he was kind of talking about there's a difference between someone who can do good tricks and someone who, who's a good kiteboarder. Because there's plenty of pro kiteboarders, almost myself included, who aren't that good of kiteboarders but do good tricks in their discipline. Like, I, I suck at jumping to the left. Like, out here in Cape Town, <laughs> I, like, if my ankle was good, it takes me a little while every year to, like, ball up to do a big mega loop going left because I jump... The spot I learned at, I learned how to jump going to the Goes right. To the right, yeah. And then I was just all of a sudden trying, thought I was like too cool to like do, like I was just like parking my kite at 45. And, yeah. Like I was saying, wearing like, your, wearing just your like boots. wearing Sam Medisky yeah. in because yeah. you're just like, man, you can't even jump going to the left. And like now I get out here and it's like funny to hear someone like Ewan who is so well rounded, like yeah. he's good at every aspect of kiteboarding. Talk about that, and I go, oh. Yeah, actually, that's kind of like it's that's funny. me. Yeah, I mean, it's I like, feel like foiling as well, like not just like not just with a twin tip, but mm -hmm. with other boards on their feet. They're yeah. pretty talented, and you just go, yeah, that's a different level of kiteboarder. Like someone like yeah. Jesse Richmond, who can it's insane, insanely good on a foil, ride jaws on a you know surfboard, yeah, rip strapless waves, and yeah. then rock up and come second at the King of the Air. His kite can throw in KGBs and all sorts. Yeah. Like you know, it's just another level of ability compared to someone who's just doing freestyle and yeah. can do all the tricks that you need to win an event. Right. And it's that, but that being said too, like, to roll back there, 
you know, these guys who are training just their one discipline, there's nothing wrong with, with that. Like, if you're just really good at freestyle, then that's fine. And that's why I'm kind of defending, you know, some <laughs> of these guys where it's like, no, that's that's their nothing discipline. That's like that. saying that you're, you know, a half-pipe rider and snowboarder, and then all of a sudden you've got to go, like, throw, do tricks out in the backcountry, and they're expecting the same. Like, obviously that's a bit more drastic, but, yeah, it's... Interesting times for the competition scene. Yeah, for sure. Let's see where it goes. Well, Craig, I think we've been chatting for over an hour there. Nice. Excellent. Thank you for your time. Thank you. That was really good. Good luck with the <laughs> Duotone team this year. Yeah, cheers, mate. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll be keeping an eye out for the podium and see where Val ends up. Yeah, definitely. And Macaulay gonna... will be smashing it, obviously. She'll be. Oh, yeah. I mean, what, yeah. what a crazy crazy story that is yeah well for another episode already. yeah definitely i mean i hope you can get her on and tell her story at some point because it's just like yeah the whole story of the mom coming from hood river and the dad being from brazil and like their whole setup in taib and how it's all happened is like such a cool story no he's working on a video is he <laughs> explaining Perfect. the whole thing yeah, we'll look so. forward to that yeah. but yeah she'll she'll definitely be on the podium this year for the yeah. tone so it'd be interesting to see yeah who else they get out there yeah What's and then you can sit back and be proud going oh, i had a little hand in that yeah a <laughs> little bit i mean they're all doing their own thing so that's cool you know we're just trying to like give them support and help them where they need the help so Perfect. let's see how it goes thanks for having me excellent dude. no worries there we have it hope you enjoyed that crazy how some of those predictions actually came true who would have thought that carlos mario would injure his knee in september and leave the field wide open for the men's pro fleet and for Valentin to sweep in and take the top spot. Congratulations to him, Craig and the Duotone team and to Mikali, of course, and Ayrton and everyone else that's had great success this year from that kite surfing team that Craig's been nurturing. I hope you enjoyed that episode and it's a little bit different. Um, hopefully there was some good stuff in there that you managed to take away from it. Next issue will be coming out or next episode will be coming out sometime in the new year. Um, I'm not sure who I'm going to release. I've got one that I'm quite keen to get out there. And then I've got one last one from South Africa as well that I'm keen to get out to. So I'll have a little think about what I'm going to publish. I've got some really good ones sitting on my hard drive already recorded. Um, and then I probably need to start thinking about getting hold of some more content as well at some point, which I guess will take us up into season three at some point i've only got another 10 episodes to go for season two so i hope you enjoyed that one and as ever if you did please give it a thumbs up and a like and a share um those five star ratings on the app store really help any reviews you want to leave that's really beneficial to me too thank you to all the people that have given me some good feedback personally on facebook and social media um always really appreciate it and it's been really nice to bump into a few people on the beaches as well and um hear how you've been enjoying the podcasts seems wherever i go i seem to be meeting people that are listening and tuning in so have a fantastic festive season whatever you're up to be safe and enjoy it and until next time you've been listening to the intriguing beings podcast with me Rue Chater.